<laughs> oh, dear. You're stumbling a bit there. Not unlike. Oh, snap. <laughs> How's that for a segue? I don't need an autoprompter. Exactly. There's, Does, would anybody, though, would, in would they, modern day and age? If I said to you, Stefan, what is it you do? And also, we're paying you a small fortune to be here. Could you also talk about how great our thing is over here? Do you reckon you could just improv that? I would say, I'd make dreams. Isn't that a good thing? Peace out. Curve TVs are awesome. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And then I would m- probably moonwalk off the stage after a quick Q&A. Yeah. Yeah, that's how most people would do it, but not my best friend, Michael Bay, your the nemesis. man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure he's feeling the heat so at this point, oh, given the is. amount of rage you've pointed down There has direction. been a tremendous amount of backlash on all sorts of electronic media, because mm-hmm. CES is on this week, which is kind of like the adult movie awards, but for tech people, it's just <laughs> so a bunch of porn in a room. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I was, way I can think of to explain it. I was wondering it. where you were going with that. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, so CES is the big tech show that's on in Vegas every year. Yep. Where companies come out and show their latest gadgets and doodads and whatnot for the year ahead. Mm-hmm. Samsung had their press conference where they were bringing Michael Bay out on stage to talk about how awesome their curved TVs are. And there was a problem <laughs> with the autoprompter. And he just bailed out. Can't do he it. He just bayed out. No. Um <laughs> I'm off. It's three minutes in and I've already got one. Impressive. Uh, so, yeah, the, the prompter sort of didn't work and then he tried to fumble his way through it and then he just went, nah. Yeah. And just left. <laughs> and, and just walked. And the Samsung guy was like, uh. And, and a round of applause for Michael Bay. It was, it was very awkward. It was so <laughs> awkward. He says like two things and sort of stilters through, oh, um, Hollywood, we make dreams and I as a movie make things that don't exist are the scripts wrong that's a pretty accurate representation of what was said (laughs) and the poor guy who's emceeing is like oh maybe just wing it just wing it he's like (laughs) i'm not an actor i'm a director (laughs) yeah which is fine i mean given that he films movies before the script is finished these movies have a script (laughs) it's fine i like that michael bay is like you can see him looking around going this isn't good enough scripts are important you guys (laughs) (laughs) it would have felt a lot more at home i think if that had some sort of military presence yeah exactly and look i do feel a little bad because he looked what he looked massively cut man he looked very awkward like he was gonna and so he should if he didn't walk off he was gonna collapse but I can only Given hope. You and then someone should drop an air conditioner <laughs> on him. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Last week when we talked about, oh, what movies are you looking forward to? And we're like, oh, Captain America's coming out and Spider-Man and X-Men and no, 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 Here's the two films that we didn't mention. What are they? Transformers 4, Age not, of Extinction. Not looking forward to it. No. No, not looking forward to it. Now oh, we're gonna, still haven't seen the third one. Now we're going to massacre the Dinobots as well. But guess what else? It's a double base extravaganza this year <laughs> because the Ninja Turtles from Space is coming out this year as well. Oh. So just when you thought it was safe to relive your childhood dreams, Michael Bay comes and drops a Cleveland steamer on him. <laughs> what an ass! I don't... Actually, right. I want to retract what an ass straight after I've talked about Cleveland Steamers. I want to keep that in as some kind of Easter egg that we play. Okay. That's the intro thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. But they're not Teenage Mutant Turtle Ninjas. 
They're aliens. Yeah, maybe. That's that's what it's looking Which, like. If they're aliens, presumably they've learned some like native martial art called Blin Blitzu or something. <laughs> so they're like alien something. Do you know who's playing April O'Neil? Have you read anything about this or you just put the blinkers on? I put the blinkers on. I got sad about oh, it. I haven't like Oh man, I wish this was a video podcast so I could watch your soul break in half when I tell you this. You know who's gonna play April O'Neil? Oh. Megan Fox. What? <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> Why are you like this? Because you're I've, this room's Michael Bay. I, <laughs> I'm the white Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> I'm like this because all of my childhood innocence has been torn out of me. Yeah. And Cleveland steam it on. Stop saying Cleveland steam it. <laughs> I like it. I don't. Saying it. Yeah. Uh, and Good save. <laughs> So just picture me now and then picture yeah. me... It's easy for me, not as easy for the <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Picture yeah. me 25 years ago as a little child mm-hmm. and now picture Michael Bay copping a squat on that five-year-old child. No. That's why I'm like this. <laughs> <laughs> I did it's picture that fault. and I need to lie down now. Unless it's a completely dramatic retelling of that old four-player beat-em-up side-scrolling game. <laughs> And the whole game is just four turtles just bashing each other, except if Nick and I couldn't find other two people, so it's just two turtles. Yeah. So that would happen in the second act where all is lost because we can't find someone with 20-cent coins. Mm. But then at the end, we all find some mates, and so there's four of us, and we beat Shredder. Apart from that, I don't need to see anymore. That's my greatest memory. Yeah, that's fair. Also, Krang, because what the fuck was that? It's Bubblegum. (laughs) Pardon? It's Hubba Bubba, wasn't he? Oh, Gross. He was, yeah, I wish you hadn't said that. I've never thought of that I saw this horrible thing today that said, don't spit your chewing gum on the street, which I never do anyway. Yeah, because because it will crang up and take us all over. Because A, it could turn into an alien from Dimension X and build a technodrome. Yeah. Or B... uh, (laughs) You're not going to laugh when I tell you this. (laughs) Well, I've got to get it out now. Birds see it and swoop down and think it's bread and they eat it and their beaks get stuck in it and then they die. Do you hate birds? That's no, I don't <laughs> hate birds. I'm not some kind of Cleveland steamer for birds. <laughs> that's a that's a huge bummer, isn't it? Yeah, I just saw it. I went. I never thought of that. And then they had a picture of a little sparrow eating the gum and then just getting run over because it couldn't get its beak out of the gum, and it was really sad. That's a bummer. Not unlike the emotions that I feel when I watch Michael Bay films. So when you watch a Michael Bay film... I feel like a sparrow with its face stuck in (laughs) chewing gum. (laughs) Waiting for a car to run over you. And by car, I mean Michael Bay to drop a Cleveland steamer on me. Oh, man. Everything comes back to Cleveland steamers today. (laughs) It's us tonight. Did you ever play that NES original Nintendo Ninja Turtles game? Oh, so hard. It was a nightmare. How good was the music? Oh, man. That was in when you're in the map. I know. Uh, I had that as my ringtone for <laughs> <laughs> three months when I worked at Fairfax, and all of the journalists who I worked with, who were a good five or six years younger, were like, oh, "I kind of know what that is, but I don't." <laughs> I'm like, "You didn't feel my pain, ma'am." Yeah. When I got my NES for like Christmas and split it with Nick. Yep. And we got the original Legend of Zelda, which <sighs> kicked off. A sort of a uh, lifelong an ob- thing. An obsession for the last 20 years. <laughs> and uh, that Ninja Turtles game. And I played them, I don't know, like 22 hours a day for a year <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. I never finished that Ninja Turtles game and it haunts mm. me. Yeah. 
I once got into the into the Technodrome, the aforementioned Technodrome. Yep. And I was in the, the last corridor the and there was the door at the end, which was like, I'm a door that has the boss in it. You've been trying this for the entire summer holidays. Maths and bullying starts tomorrow. <laughs> I hope that you've got a good memory to think of when your dreams are dying and some like <laughs> awful alien. And you thought I was melodramatic <laughs> about Michael Bay. <laughs> Some mouser thing bit me on the calf and I died. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, no. I hate mouser. And I don't think I ever played it again. You know what I'm doing on Saturday? Playing Battletoads? Possibly. I'm going to <laughs> some guys from work have organised a Nintendo night. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to get the Wii out or the 64? And we're like, nah. We're going back to the nest days. Yeah. So we're going to a mate's place and we're going to play. Someone's got an old school NES and someone's got an emulator and we're just going to play old Nintendo games and drink beer. That sounds incredible. Yeah. You guys are going to sit around and blow each other's cartridge? <laughs> That's gross. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> don't, don't take Nintendo there. Sorry, Steamy. And we're talking about it today. My friend Christian said that the greatest video game of all time, Super Mario Brothers 3. It's pretty damn good. I don't want to debate that or not but then this other guy at work's like oh i never finished that what and christian just lost his cool and was like <laughs> what do you mean you've never finished it? <laughs> what are you doing here he now was, today <laughs> he was outraged and the other guy was like oh the floating ships were too hard they're pretty hard i went back and played mario brothers again mm. not too unrecently I would say. The first one or the third one? The third one. Yeah. And yeah, just I'd forgotten that whole, oh no, if you turn it off, you've you got yeah, to start no again. saved game. Yeah. It's finish yeah. it or GTFO. You level 30 year old jerk with your save games and your Watsamajiggers. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Remember when you had those reflexes as a kid? If I tried to play Battletoads now, it would end with me in a hospital with like an ice pack on my thumb. <laughs> and just the ghost of young me also there to get a prescription for like depression medication. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't I don't understand how I did it, ma'am. Yeah. It's just kids and stoners. That's the only way you've got enough time. Uh, they had a video game retrospective exhibition at Acme. I went to it with you. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I feel like you forgot. No, no. I definitely remember other people that were there. I didn't just play video games and tune out or anything. Mm. It makes me really angry. That in society, mm. if I'm playing a video game in public and yep. a child is waiting, that I'm expected to acquiesce who, to let who them play. Who expects that? Just people, man. No, I wouldn't expect I'm that. I'm not allowed to turn to a child and say, I'm better at this than you. Wait over there. Especially when everything's on free play and it's all parents. It's very upsetting. It is. Because they're not very good. And no, it's very frustrating <laughs> to watch them mash away at Virtual Fighter. Which I invested quality time in as a kid to oh, learn yeah. the combos. Mm. And they just, I don't know, man. Everything's topsy-turvy. Yeah, I agree. One more video game thing before I get on to the, the other thing that we've got to talk about. Because yeah. we aren't going to stay on topic tonight. I'm convinced tonight's the night it's going to happen. We're going to do it. Apple had an app that they released called The 12 Days of Christmas. And you installed it and it gave you a different gift from the iTunes store. Sweet. And so you got some, I got some free songs and I got a free book and that sort of thing. And I got this game. The, the second last one was a game called Mr. Crab. Mr. Crab. Yep. Mr. Crab <laughs> is a great game. Yeah. <laughs> Of the same vein as Pivot and Tiny Death Star in oh, terms man. of my addiction to it, or Pudding Monsters, actually. And you're basically this crab called, do you want to field this? Mr. Ms. Crab. Miss Crustacean. 
<laughs> Master Shell. Because I think the recommended age on it is ages two to eight or something yeah, like that. Don't oh, take that personally, bro. Endless fun. <laughs> endless fun with Mr. Crab. I wondered why I could hear like excited clapping when I knocked yeah. on the door. <laughs> and I don't think there's in-app purchases. So it's oh, really? just get on. Pretty rare. Get your crab on. <laughs> Are you doing advertising for iPad games now? <laughs> Hashtag crab on. <laughs> also tiny death star. Hashtag tweeting sharks. Speaking of things in the ocean, <laughs> I am the master of the Segway tonight. Tell me more, Professor Segway. So in Australia, for those of you that are not in Australia, pretty much every animal is out to kill human beings. That's, oh, totally. That's just what Australia's about. So if you're an international visitor, don't come over because it's just not worth it. It's like also, how those kangaroos you, carry a patch of acid in the front oh, of their person. Right, that's right. So don't come and visit, especially not by boat because that never ends well for anybody. No, exactly. Uh but Australia will look like a tiny island full of people who don't care about you. We have this shark problem. In some, and I don't think it's fair to call it a shark problem because... It's a surfer problem. It is a surfer problem. So <laughs> keep going into a shark's house and paddling around violently. Well, that's it. If you were in the bath and <laughs> you go somebody came in and just laid down a boogie board, yeah. <laughs> you'd be a bit pissed off, right? Yeah, I'd give them... I'd bite them. If yeah. you got them out, <laughs> that's what it took. So in Western Australia, where we have a lot of shark attacks, especially in the summertime when everybody's out, so do you know why sharks eat surfers? Because the snakes can't reach them in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer better than the one that I was going to give, so we'll just stick with that. I want to know yours as well. Well, it's because Yours sounded like it was going to be rooted in science. It, well, <laughs> it, it was going to be slightly more factual. Yeah, because God hate no. Yours God. falls down when you think about water snakes. But anyway. Oh. Yeah, you didn't. Mine was about spiders. Australia's a terrifying place. <laughs> the reason is, is because from the bottom, in the dark of the water, a yep. surfer casts a similar shadow as they're paddling out to what a seal looks like. So really? Sharks are like, oh, dinner time. Delicious. <laughs> Wait, this tastes like shorts. Yeah. Weird. Rip curl. Um, I'm just I'm doing heaps of product placement because I've been thinking about Michael Bay and I've been thinking about all the abusive exactly. product placement Wait. in his films. Oh, that, that was, was an in unnecessary explosion. <laughs> Did you see me walk away from it without looking backwards? Yeah. So the sharks. Yeah, looking at big weird seal people. No. Yes, the sharks looking at big weird seal people and eating them all the time. And there was a death again the other day, and everybody's in uproar over this. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we would do is track the sharks so that we can warn people to get out of the water. Because the problem is the sharks eat a few people and they're tasty and stuff. And then everyone's like, oh, you've got to kill the sharks, which is, again, like I said to you, if you were sitting in the bath and someone came and put a bodyboard in there. Yeah, I'd be you'd, upset. You'd be a bit pissed. So I don't think Unless we should it was, kill the sharks. Uh, Beyonce from that drunken love song. Then yeah. I'd just be confused. She lives far away. The fact that human beings occasionally get eaten by sharks, I'm broadly unsupportive. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan. And it's a bloody tragedy if people are like, oh, I woke up with a couple of legs. Oh, the situation's changed. You know, it's not cool. But I can tell by the sensitivity you're displaying <laughs> towards the issue. I can't turn that off. It gets me in a lot of trouble. But we're going in the water, man. And the sharks live in the water. And I just find it really upsetting when people are like, oh, well, we've got to kill an animal because it did what animals do. Yeah. It's like if we shot... Uh, no, it was going to be awful. <laughs> I'm not even going <laughs> to... Pause. Do you want me to get back onto the tweeting or are you going to try no, again? No, no <laughs> I was going to be about that Bernadi guy. <laughs> so you're just no, talking about your thing. Skip the politics. Yeah. So the sharks have now caught up to the age of social media. They put a tag through the fin of the shark so they can track them and that sort of Would thing. Would you call it a hashtag? <laughs> <laughs> you, 
Oh, dear. And so now what happens when the sharks swim into a certain area of the beach, they get picked up by the scanners and whatnot, and it yeah. tweets the shark details of, oh, I'm a great white and my name's Jeffrey and I will eat you and I'm swimming off the coast of whatever beach. Yeah. Hashtag Ozpol. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of cool. I should have called the shark Corey. Um, <laughs> So, so if not a shark, shark gets a within wars. like the danger zone, yeah, it a tweet it. will be generated yeah. that says, "This shark is here." I believe. I believe that's be from, That's my understanding of it. Yeah. Here's my problem with that, though. How many surfers do you see with their mobile phone in their hand? <laughs> <laughs> you don't take your iPhone out on the surfboard and go, "Oh, I've got a tweet, bro." Sick. Is that, that going to be <laughs> part of the news cycle now? Like. The tragedy occurred because he did not take his mobile phone swimming. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what else to say. Look, it's an Achilles heel <laughs> of, of the <laughs> plan. Maybe between the flags you could have one of those big LED scroller things. That's a good idea. Which has the tweet. Yeah. Does each shark have its own account? I, no, I think Does it all... Does it check in? <laughs> that would be a better move. See, I think Foursquare would have been a better choice than, than Twitter. Because it could have... Oh, I've checked in at eating Jono's boardies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Johnny Great White checked into dangerously close to your vicinity. <laughs> but then you've got the lifeguard up there who has to be watching all the... He's probably on Twitter. Exactly. He's got his iPad but out. But then someone's like, oh, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. He's like, oh, sorry, I'm following like a dozen sharks. <laughs> I've got to keep pressing refresh. I think it's just one account. <laughs> Although there is a hilarious... Par- what if they all go to different places for dinner? And they all want points. There is a parody Australian shark account which we'll post in the show notes that we put on Facebook, which is an Australian shark tweeting stuff. <laughs> it's a little insensitive. <laughs> and I find it hysterical. Those both sound like good things. Do you want to do the theme music? Because we're going to bust it out tonight. The last one. Go give it your best effort yet. Wow. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that was actually the best yet. I'm well, impressed by that. I haven't been practicing in the mirror. Asterix. If, if you'd like to bra- uh, buy the Stefan Teladovic performs the music of Breaking Bad. Yeah, just buy me a beer at the pub and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished it and I mentioned this last week, but we didn't talk about it because we got, I don't know, ranting about all sorts of stuff. But You brought up Michael Bay. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> Don't say the MB word. We might get off track again. So you're done. Season five. Wrapped up season five. Was pleasantly surprised because after season four, I just went, this has got nowhere to go. It's A, climaxed, and B, the story's kind of come to a logical end. Mm -hmm. What can they possibly do next? (laughs) And you would think after four seasons of this bloody show that I would have more common sense than to doubt the people making it because they continue to surprise and excite me. They did a good job. They did a magnificent job. This has gone straight up to my top three shows yep. in existence. I would agree. It's right up there. It'd be in my top three. What What else rounds out? I, I think Lost is your number one, is it? No. Uh, no. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, the Wire. Is oh, my okay. Opinion. Oh, God, I haven't watched The Wire. The greatest I'm TV show. I'm going to need to watch this now, aren't I? Look forward to that episode. <laughs> uh, it'll be seven hours. The Wire. Is super the best. Season four of The Wire is the best season of TV ever. But if you try to watch it before seasons one and then two and then three, no idea. Okay. It's the best. And then I think Breaking Bad is a close second yep. after that. It's well, pretty it's wonderful. What about you? Boston Legal yeah. is just, I love it. And it's funny because I don't like any other David E. Kelly stuff. Mm. But Boston Legal, Denny Crane, Alan Shaw, 
I don't know, maybe because I wanted to be those characters in some way. I didn't watch a lot of it, but what I did watch uh, was Alan Shaw making those big, like, left-wing point-proving speeches. Yep. And I was always like, I wish my job was just to get up and make left-wing speeches. That'd be great. <laughs> and now you've got a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Coming in season two of Level 30, left-wing speeches. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it's going to be. I like that. I was a fan of it as well because I'm a fan of arguing. Or debating. Kind of. Yeah. Arguing's got negative connotations, but... Nah. So I enjoyed it from that point. Well. I enjoyed it from that point of view as not well. if you're Margaret and David. Well, that's right. Yeah. Sorry to people outside of Australia who don't know who Margaret and David are. So Haven't you looked at the stats? We've got international listeners. I know. I just find it hard to believe because it's very exciting. Yeah. So Margaret and David host a show called At The Movies. It's like Australia's premier movie review show. It's like Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, and it's like a woman and a dode, sort of an older team, and they review all the movies ever, and they just have this amazing, I think everybody should have to watch Margaret and David, and society would improve, because they have this amazing way of violently disagreeing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like David would be like, so I watched this movie, and I think we can all agree it's the worst film that was ever made. And, and then she does that <laughs> kind of laugh so, that she does. Oh, David, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Here's why it's the best. And he'll be, he would just roll his eyes. They're <laughs> <laughs> just like the best old married couple ever where they just, as one of them talks, the other one's like, this person doesn't have a clue what they're doing. But yeah. at the end, they're just high five, love you, see you next week, and everything's fine. Yeah. If more people could violently disagree maturely and then go on with their lives, everything would be better. Be a better place. Exactly. The world would be a better place. I mean, that was a relevant thing to have said. Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Back on track I had the same thing I finished season four And I had to wait quite some time before Between four and five But mm. immediately at the end of season four Was like I know there's going to be another one But that's a pretty good end It's a good ending Yeah It ends with him basically winning It effectively does lay out Where it's going to go In that he has a conversation With Skylar on the phone Where he's like Basically I won I'm a huge prick yeah, just the look on her face pretty much tells you what the show is. You can just think about it and go, yep, he's going to go off to be a psycho drug dealer. He's down, he's, we're through the looking glass on this one. Yeah. I know what the show looks like. It could have been fine. But also, there was a whole other season, which is a win because yeah. it's great. I like the, the mechanism of when they do the pest control thing. Yeah. That was, I think that was one of the bits I struggled with was the logistics of what are they going to do? They're not going to set this up in another lab. How are they going to make this? Mm. And they did the pest control thing. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really clever little plot device. It's a pretty good idea. And it's serviced well by the fact that Badger and Skinny Pete have to go to the music store to get the road cases. And yeah. <laughs> I would love to see those two have their own spin-off show. I yeah. reckon that would be hilarious. Badger and Skinny Pete. Yeah, I'd so, watch that. Those guys are wonderful. You've got the thing again with Walt buying the cars in yeah. this season. You can't it's get like, enough. Dude, stop buying <laughs> friggin' cars. You've been told off for it three times already. Yeah. You got in trouble because you did a burnout in one and set it on fire and he's like, oh, better go get a car. <laughs> so he goes and gets it and he's like, rum, rum, rum. And then he goes, oh, well, I better get one for old breakfast eater over here. So he goes <laughs> and gets one for Junior as well. And it, it just... Why can't he just not buy cars? I don't know. I feel like the whole story would have ended differently had he just stuck to that shitty bloody beige van that he drove yeah. around <laughs> in at the start of it. If he was a bicycle enthusiast, different narrative structure entirely. Mm, mm. 
season five is probably the clearest example, but I really enjoy the way that Breaking Bad just messes with your head in the term, in the way that it uses time. And it's like we talked about season four, you know, oh, that could be the end. You would often finish an episode and go, oh, I kind of intrinsically understand what the next three episodes are going to be. Like you yep. sort of go season five, this is going to be about him winning and becoming a success yep. and conquering the drug trade. And then they basically have one episode where they just press fast forward and go, yep, he did it. What next? Mm. And stuff like, I really enjoy stuff like that where they pull the rug out from under you and go, you think the story is about that? We're not interested in that. Done. He's finished. What's next? And you're like, oh, I, I, Never I don't thought know. of that. Yeah. yeah. The other thing with timing, and I was talking to someone about this the other day, is that the universe is set in a very set time period, which you don't see in a lot of dramas. Time becomes sort of irrelevant, whereas this you have that very clear picture of it starts on his 50th birthday and then towards the end of it you see that he's just turned 52. And I think that melding it all together and saying, well, this is set in two years. It's not this ongoing bloody saga story that goes on forever and ever and ever and Mm. ever in a day. It's just bang, here it is, two years of this guy's life. And I got to thinking about it and I was thinking, it's one of the things I like about the newsroom as well, is you've got this very conscious idea of the time that it's set in. It had never occurred to me until I watched this show that that was something that added value to to the storytelling element of it. Yeah, it grounds the world, given the nature of the story is sort of a pretty bizarre journey for an individual. Yeah. Being able to go, this is two years, is quite a valuable way of sort of putting a stamp on what's going on. I yeah. know I've mentioned to you in the past, one of the things I really like about Harry Potter is that each book is a year in school and that's a nice little narrative flourish to do the same thing. Like various things happen, but it grounds it in terms of... And you need that grounding in something like Harry Potter and you need it in something like Breaking Bad, which gets a bit ludicrous at times. Mm. But it's it's sort of almost pulled back to reality by that. Yeah. That's good. The other bits that I, I... I was sad that Mike died. I was stunned when Walt was the one that... Oh, man. ...killed him. Devo. That was just because Mike's so, and he has one of his awesome dry lines where he says, uh, I was going to try and do my Mike voice, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not prepared for it. But he says, uh, Everybody sounds like Meryl Streep with a gun to their head. <laughs> just like, That's awesome. I loved Mike. And he did, like so many people, just suffers from Walt being a dick. But yeah. Like he's so professional. And his argument with Walt basically comes down to the fact that he insults Walt's sense of pride because he b- dares to say, well, I know what I'm talking about and you don't. Mm. And it's sort of the writings on the wall from that point on. Yeah. But you can't oh, do man. that. And there's no need. There's no need. Just no. give him a... He'll never come back because he is an actual professional. Who wants to get out of there? Yeah. No, I'm going to shoot you now. Yeah. Because I'm angry, basically. It was bleak. But then, so that was kind of sad. And then Jesse sort of does this whole mastermind thing throughout this season as well, where he comes up with the idea for the magnets for erasing the data from the evidence room. And that's a hysterical... I can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. Yeah. It's an... uh, I (laughs) literally can't get it out. It's an hysterical scene. It is. Nailed it. Damn. So good at saying hysterical. And the train thing as well is his idea. And the train, oh my God, the train uh, robbery. And I'd, oh, I have to keep looking back to my notes because there's so much that goes on in this season. I'd almost forgotten that the train was in this season. When they robbed the train, yeah, has got to be one of the tensest pieces of television that I've ever seen. It's just, I was quite literally sitting, and I'm not one of those people that uses literally with a new meaning where I go, oh, I literally flew to the moon today. <laughs> I was literally on the edge of the couch, (laughs) biting my fingernails, going, oh, man, how is this going to end? And then it ends and they pull it off and you're like, oh, wow, 
that was amazing. And then the kid shows oh. up and the other goes, bang, and shoots the kid. And you're like, oh, what the, what the hell? And then it's the end. Very upsetting. Todd's yeah. the worst person in the world. He is. And he's, he's just an empty vessel of creepy, like, yeah. sociopath. He's got that sort of sweet kind of innocent sort of exterior. And then later in the season when he's got Jesse down in the cage when they're keeping him hostage. And you're like, this guy's an ass. He's just so... Uncool. I watched a number of these episodes just in a weird ball on the on the couch, just rocking back and forward. I was so tense. Like if I if someone had said, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you straighten your arm, I'd nah, be like, nah, can't keep do it, it. Keep it, don't worry about <laughs> it. Um and I made the mistake of watching a couple of episodes on my way to work. Oops. Like I would leave home early, <laughs> take my laptop, sit in a cafe, get a toasted sarni and a, a coffee and just sit there. And it was good because it was the last season of Breaking Bad. All I had to say to a cafe person was, yeah, can I just have a coffee? I'm just watching Breaking Bad. They were like, oh, we won't bother you. That's fine. <laughs> watching this last season, I would watch an episode. I just couldn't get anything done at work because yeah. I'd just be so freaked out, wound up all day. Very mm. upsetting. I mean, it's a very character focused show. Mm. To begin with, but I think the final season takes that to another level where it is everybody's sort of got their moment to shine. And it, I think at the beginning it was a show that was very much about Walt and Jesse, and everybody else was sort of this minor supporting mm. cast. Whereas this season, everybody really steps up, and it's not just Walt and Jesse. You've got Hank, who is sort of this Ahab type obsessed. He's just so driven and focused on this, and he can't let it go. Mm. And and Hank sort of steps up and becomes again sort of that central, pivotal bit. And I was quite astounded that they kill him at the end. Yeah, it was pretty devo. You sort of think, well, he's kind of going to get his way here, and and Walt's going to get, and he's stuffed now, and there's nothing that can possibly happen. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> the half season ends with him putting it together and it's another one of those beautiful uses of expectations where I was like oh cool so the back eight of this show the final narrative is going to be cat and mouse thing of Hank trying to prove that Walt's the thing and Walt will probably find yep. out and blah 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 that'll be really fun and then they're like nah actually screw that the last episode the first episode back we'll just put Hank and him in a shed together and Hank will beat the piss out of him yeah and I was like that's beautiful. That's absolutely amazing. It's great. Yeah, you talk about him sort of winning. Like there was a, a laundry list of things I wanted going into the last season or I thought I wanted. Mm. I'm like, well, Walt needs some kind of punishment. I'm in two minds as to whether Hank should win or lose. I kind of want to see Hank defeat Walt yeah, because he's in the right, really. Mm. And I want to see this and this and this. I was and going for Hank as well and I never go for the good guys. Yeah. And they kind of give you everything. Yeah. Any ending you want. They, they manage to pull it off in a way that you kind of get to see everything and realise that it's all awful. You see Hank defeat Walt. You do get yeah. a, a five minutes, which in Breaking Bad seems like four days of like Walt in handcuffs, defeated. Hank's winning. He's gloating on the phone and you're like, this feels awful. I mm. don't know why, but this feels really awful. But then ho Walt gets out of it and Hank's dead. And you're like, this feels awful. This is even worse. And, and they, they just keep doing that. And then you know, Walt gets defeated. That feels awful. Oh, he kind of wins. I feel really bad about that. I don't know. They managed to Do you know what it, it feels a little uh, bit like? Yeah. And this, this won't do it justice. But Optimus Prime. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Michael Bayman. No. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit like you ever read those Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid? Obsession. It's almost like you read one of them cover to cover without actually taking the path yeah. through the book and you get all the different it pieces is. of the story in there. Yeah, you could turn the last season off in a number of points and go, that's the, that's the end for me. Yeah. What did you think of the, the end, as the it end. were? 
I, I dug the end because I decided, you know, each week that we talk about this, you say to me, what's the deal with Walt? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? Do you like him? Do you not like him? Mm-hmm. About halfway through this season and I just made a note that says, tell Stefan that Walt is a bad guy. Uh, undeniable. I kind of finished thinking that he tries to redeem himself a little bit at the been end. Like totally split throughout. I have. The show. I've been really torn. Well, maybe he's doing as was I. But you sort of get halfway through the season. I'm like, this guy's a prick. Yeah. And he's not doing this for anyone other than himself. And he's hiding behind this excuse of, oh, I'm doing it for my family, for my kids. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that scene at the end when he sort of gets in the last few episodes where he sort of gets whisked off to the mountains and goes into hiding and he grows a sad beard. He does. And he gets some hipster glasses (laughs) and he's sitting alone in a cabin with his big barrel of money that he can't do anything with. Oh, man. And I started to feel pity for him and then I sat there and was like, no, you got everything you deserved, you jackass. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a good dramatic ending, but it did feel really fitting for the character. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate thing that Walt really does deserve is to be when he pays the guy 10 grand to play poker with him. Yeah. For a man who's destroyed by this sort of egotistical drive for power mm. to have a barrel of money that means nothing and he's just going to fucking die. And he's lost everything because he's sick again. Mm. He's family and not having anything to do with him. There's that scene where he wing, rings up the school. Yeah. And Junior just says to him, why don't you just die? Leave us alone. And you go, this guy's really lost everything. And I found myself going, well, and he kind of deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I don't know, maybe not overly oh, but I was sympathetic of me, but fuck. It's just an incredible show that has the confidence to put the main character into that frame of mind mm. where you're like, yeah, that's the worst ending for a main character I've ever seen. Seems legit. Yeah. You know? And Sky, the other thing, Skylar hates him so much. Mm. There's a couple of, there's a scene where he bails her up and she basically says, you know, I want you to die. And then there's the scene where he abuses her on the phone. She goes from, and there was a flashback scene in there that goes back to the first season. Mm. And I'd actually forgotten what she looked like smiling. And it occurred to me, she doesn't smile no. in the second half of this show at all. And she just looks, I, I think she plays it really well because she looks like somebody who's been worn out by the ordeal of this. And then that goes to this flashback to season one. You go, oh, she was all bright and chirpy and happily pregnant and loving life at one point. And you almost forget that because you've gone on this journey and yeah. possibly because I've watched it in such a condensed way as well. Oh, just I the really way enjoyed that. that. Um, is this the season where she just starts smoking yep. in the house? Yeah. And just the way that the expressions on her face are able to portray the message that she's sending by smoking a cigarette at him and like blowing smoke in his face and yeah. being like, she's effectively smoking a cigarette to communicate to him that she wants him to be dead mm. now. And it's all in her eyes. And you're just like, man, it's really good. And I mean, awful, awful, but she does it yeah, so well. And there's still those bits where she still plays the dutiful wife though. Mm. There's the bit where Jesse comes to dinner, which yeah. is... <laughs> Possibly one of the most awkward scenes ever recorded on film. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Walt says, oh, Jesse's staying for dinner. And she does the dutiful, oh, well, you know, I'm making the dinner. And, and Jesse's trying to strike up a conversation with her. And she basically tells him to go fuck himself as well. Yeah. And I couldn't help but even as the series was unfolding towards the end and it becomes like a just a venomous ship fight between Walt and Jesse, yeah. aided by Hank, I was still like, oh, it'd be good, though, if the last episode was somehow those two on the same team again. I would love that. And you, it just, just couldn't happen. Yeah. It's too far. And it's too good a show for that, you mm. know? What do you think of the final episode? It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like the second last one better than the, yep. the last one. But the way that he just sort of, again, he has that, you've talked before about how you're uh, attracted to the fact that he sort of uses science and maths and logic to beat mm. everyone. 
he sort of does that. He goes about it in a very methodical way and he goes off and you're sort of looking at it going, there are so many loose ends in this show. There's no way that you could possibly wrap this up cleanly. And he sort of does it and you can only really do it because he's Walter White and because of the character that you've built over the last five seasons, which is mm. really clever. If you'd had somebody else, it, it wouldn't have worked. You w- it wouldn't have been believable, I don't think. Yeah. But because of the, the way the character's been built up, the fact that he goes in and methodically does this and he's got the cool little uh, machine gun on the yeah. <laughs> rotating thing in the boot that just shoots everybody. You sort of go, oh, yeah, I buy into this because he's done clever shit like this before. Yeah. So yeah, It's one I, last harebrained scheme. Yeah, and the, the, that very final scene when he's in the lab and he's kind of touching the stuff and it's after he's been to see Skylar and tell Skylar, you know, I, I was doing this all for me. It made me feel alive and I loved it and yeah. whatevs. It's an amazing Amazing scene. Which I just sort of sat there going, oh, finally, you <laughs> asshole. Like the whole world was we like... We all knew this. <laughs> and then he goes in and he's sort of touching the gear in the, the lab that they've got and you get that sense of he actually does feel this pride about it and he kind of misses that part of his life mm. and then he drops dead. Yeah, he kind of Spoilers. gets to... He effectively gets to die in the arms of his sweetheart, you know, like yeah. by hanging out in the math lab and that sort of thing. Yeah, I like that he gets one last methodical scheme to basically wipe the scourge of Walter White from the earth. Like, he just methodically yeah. destroys every aspect of his operation that still yep. exists. And still manages to give the cash to the yeah the kids. I know the finale's gotten criticism for being very neat. Like, it does go through step by step and wind everything up. But I like it for that reason, that that's, what, that's how Walt approaches issues. Yeah. And the thing I like about season five is that Walt's always been a guy who's just decided that he's lied to everybody and just made stuff up and it's always worked and season five is such a disaster for him. Not because he changes in any way, but just because his people just stop out. buying his shit. Yeah. So it's sort of a nice, believable win for him to yeah. go out on the season. Like he doesn't get, I'm glad he doesn't necessarily get vindicated or anything. Like I don't think you get to the end and go, oh, you saved Jesse. You're a hero. Yeah. Like, he's not a hero. You save Jesse and you're still an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But you get to go, oh, the bit of me that loves this character and can't help it because it was four seasons before I realised you were the devil. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you got a win on yeah. the way out the door, you know? Well, he becomes, there's this amazing sort of mirror type thing where he becomes Gus in the fifth season. Mm. And there's a scene where he's in the car wash and Lydia, who's the woman who's getting him the meth and doing the distribution to Europe, comes in. And he interacts with her almost exactly the same way as Gus interacts with him the first time he goes into the chicken shop. Yeah. And I was sort of watching that going, wow, this is – he has become the very thing because he spends a lot of time justifying why he had to kill Gus and why he's had to do the things. And then he sort of becomes the thing that he hates. That transformation sort of continues. And then he almost comes full circle at the end where he tries to be a good guy and tries to put everybody else in front of him. Too little, too late, champ. Yeah, (laughs) because when he goes and um, sees his old business partners – yeah. He's almost like meta Heisenberg. Like he no longer needs the hat or anything. He's mm. just, he's sort of over it. He's finished. He knows this is probably his last day. Um, but he's also got that air about him where he knows that he's got the reputation where he doesn't need the hat because now he can just stand in the room and he's so yeah. infamous So he's kind it doesn't of, matter. It, wouldn't, it would have never happened unless he fell, but you can see him in a different world being able to not need the Heisenberg thing and synthesize everything together. Mm. And in the world where he turns to Skylar really early on in, in season two and says, I'm, gonna, I'm a drug dealer. I'm fucking good at it. I'm Walter White, the drug dealer. Then he mm. would be that guy. Like he's got yeah. all the brains and the smarts and he's just like got the swagger and everything. Mm. Um, and I love that it's those two on TV basically saying, 
Walter White's never achieved anything in his whole life. It's like one last dig at his ego yeah. when he's like, I'm done. I'm going to prison. I don't give a shit. Yep. But someone slams him on the telly and he's like, <laughs> oh, nah, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm going to cool. put a mechanized gun in a car. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah. And that's that bit at the end is such a contrast to in the middle when he's doing the deal because Jesse and Mike are going to sell their half, uh, their two thirds of the methylamine. Yep. And he, he goes out and puts a strike through the deal and they go, who are you? And he goes, you know who I am. <laughs> and he's going, say my name. And they're all going, say my name. Yeah, like, man. Man, you've got to get this ego in check. It's making exactly. your hair fall out. He never really does it. Uh, any other final thoughts on the breaking of the band? I liked the, because I'm a, a Badger and Skinny Pete fan. Yeah. I like that they're the ones that help him out at the end with the laser sights and he convinces the, the grey matter people, the Schwartzes, <laughs> that he's got these two top rated hitmen and they're yeah. sitting in the back of the car going, oh, we feel bad. And he just hands them 10 grand each. And how are you feeling? Oh, we're, we're feeling better. <laughs> I <laughs> do they, love those guys. They have a conversation about stoned Star Trek where Badger's written the, the oh, script man, the for script Star about the Trek the where they all get stoned and it's the pie eating competition and they're beaming the pie out of his belly and yeah and that was because previously i'd thought the zombie conversation was the funniest thing in the show <laughs> that's just because i'm a star trek fan as well yeah it's hysterical it's pretty hysterical good scene. and some like it it makes sense if you had teleporters that would happen at least once yeah, yeah. you would totally do that to win a pie eating competition exactly well, you wouldn't because you don't eat pies no i mm, no. don't eat meat pies that's right. We should probably not talk about food again. It was a hot dog eating. The one last thing that I want to talk about is Skylar, how stone cold Skylar is when she goes to see Ted right at the beginning. Yeah. And you sort of almost Deserved. you almost get that thing where you feel like she's worried about him and then he goes, you know, he's all wired up and stuff and he's like, oh, I won't I won't ever say anything and she just goes, Good. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my god, she's an evil bitch. Yeah. And then she doesn't have sex with Walt when he's cracking onto her even though they only got back together because of the awesome Nuna that he had in season four. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a bit rough. It's a concern. Yeah. I, I like that that's the final thing you'll say <laughs> about the show. I'm sorry. Our princess is in another castle. <laughs> oh, Shazam. Enjoy the pain of my childhood, bitches. <laughs>